to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. I'm excited about today. One is because we are baptizing after the gathering, which is really exciting. We love that. And if, you have, if you're here and you have not yet been baptized, I'm just gonna give you a preview. This is your morning. If you have not yet, made, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've not yet been baptized, we would love to have baptized you this morning. We have everything you need. We'll even give you a shirt to take home. Uh, so this is gonna be an exciting morning together after our gathering with one another. The other thing is, is that we are kicking off Christmas today, which is really exciting. Now, this week's always weird. It's kind of like brackish waters, you know, because everyone's like still Thanksgiving hangover and we're heading into Christmas, but it's not like full Christmas yet. How many of you have Christmas decorations up yet? Some of you. How many of you are like waiting for a few more days, weeks? Maybe you'll get around to that December 23rd. All right, I I get there are many people in here. So here's the thing. We're gonna start Christmas. And I say this every year. I know this is weird as a pastor to say, but I don't like preaching at Christmas time. Because here's the thing, your content is so limited. And I don't know how, how much more creative I can get with telling the story of Mary and Joseph, you know, or the angels or the shepherds. And so other than getting really kitschy about things. And so I struggle every year to figure out how to make Christmas fresh and meaningful and, and, and make it uh, new for all of us. But this year, I'm actually very excited about our Christmas series. This year, I'm excited as we head into this because we are going to be talking about this characteristic, this emotion, this experience called Joy. And this series over the next six weeks is going to be called Joy to Your World. And we're going to be taking a look at what it looks like to be people of joy who experience joy, but then also become sources of joy for the world around us. You know, a few years ago, I was reading through the scriptures, as I sometimes do, and there there was this pattern that I kept noticing in the scriptures. And that was, it seemed like the end game for so many moments with Jesus and so many passages of scriptures when it said, like, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and then I want you to have this. And it seemed like the end game for so much of what the scriptures teach us was that we and other people would experience joy. It was as if joy was the ultimate end game that the scriptures were attempting to move us towards, to get us to experience, to allow us to enter into with one another. In fact, there are 214 references to joy in the scriptures. I mean, just look at some of these. It says, I have told you this so that, your, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is what Jesus says. He said, I've told you all this stuff so that my joy could be in you and that your joy could be complete. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, that as we come together in unity, that Jesus would experience joy from us. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God? 
That, that when Paul was talking about being in the presence of God, it wasn't like this like mystical experience. He was like, no, the joy would be the ultimate end game for being connected to the presence of God. And then when Paul talks about Jesus going to the cross, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So even when Jesus was entering into his sacrifice on the cross, his ultimate end game was that he would experience joy. That even Jesus himself was like the end game for all of this is that joy would flood not only himself, but the world around us. Now, we're in this very interesting sociological season of humanity in the United States specifically, because what we are watching is the deconstruction of social connection right now. And look, this isn't, I'm not like some doom and gloom pastor. Trust me, I'm very optimistic about the world, and I think everything's going to turn out. But, but we're watching as relationships are deteriorating at a rapid pace, that we're watching relational breakdown happen faster than it ever has happened ever before in human history. In fact, so much so that the Surgeon General has declared an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And you can actually go online and find Surgeon General papers on how to battle this epidemic of people experiencing loneliness, isolation, and disconnection. Now, here's the thing. Humanity has always struggled with aloneness. It's always struggled with this sense of being disconnected from one another and being isolated and not being fully connected to other human beings. But as I've been talking with people, this conversation is coming up more and more and more and more. That people are feeling more isolated, more disconnected, more hopeless about their relationships than we've ever, ever experienced before. Now, this in an era where there are more human beings than ever on the planet. So it's not like there's lack of resource for relationships. And we are more technologically connected than ever before. It, look, I remember when I was a kid and my grandparents lived in Singapore. And if I wanted to send them a letter, I had to get an airmail envelope and write them a letter, stick it in the mail, and it would take weeks to get to them if it did get to them. Now I can pull up my phone and FaceTime them at any point in time that I want to. See, we are more connected than ever before in our history, and yet we are dealing with an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. We're dealing with a struggle of what it means to connect to one another. So why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this concept when this whole series is about the joy of the world around us? See, I think for so many of us, when we talk about joy, we connect joy to joyful circumstances, that when I'm in a joyful circumstance, like when, I, when I'm at the Thanksgiving table and there's lots of good food and family are around that I like, then I'm experiencing joy. When the bank account is doing well and the kids are getting along, and then I'm experiencing joy. When work is stable and I don't have a lot of stress and my life is a little easier, then I get to experience joy. See, there's a danger when joy is connected to circumstances because you actually don't control your circumstances. Newsflash, I know that's horrifying for some of you. But we don't actually get to control those. And so if our joy is dependent on the circumstances around us, it will always be a roller coaster based on what we are experiencing in the moment or at least what we're interpreting all of the circumstances in the moment around us. We, we may even think of joy as like a mindset that we can just put on, just like think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts. And then we'll be joyful if we have some type of renewed mindset in the middle of that. But he, there's dangers to even that because, look, our mind can only handle so much and then it breaks. <laughs> and so if we just find ourselves resisting even the difficult times, saying, no, it's all joyful, it's all joyful, just doing Pollyanna, we're going to find ourselves struggling to keep moving forward in the middle of all of this. 
See, I'm gonna ask you to consider that joy has nothing to do with circumstances. It actually has very little to do with like a mindset that you put on or take off in the middle of it. There's an organization called Life Model Works who has, who has studied joy. In fact, Amanda and Jeremy Whaley have done several joy workshops for us over the last year, whether it was just individual joy or parenting joy or joy in marriage. And this is how they define joy. These neuroscientists who are also theologians, they say joy is a glad-to-be-together state amplified between two minds that are glad to be together at that moment. Joy is relational. That all joy happens in the context of relationships. In fact, the research has found that joy cannot actually be experienced outside the context of another human being. That you actually need another human being to experience joy and to be in this space of joy. It's that experience that you have when you walk into a room and someone lights up when they see you. You know that experience? When you walk in, they're like, Nathan, oh, it's so good to see you. That's that experience there, that's that joy that's firing off inside of you. And you know what the science has found? Is that this cannot happen through a screen. That as much as we're Zooming and FaceTiming and texting one another and sending pictures, that this element cannot happen through the screen. It has to happen at a spiritual level, at an eye-to-eye, at a face-to-face, at a flesh-to-flesh level. And so if joy is relational and we are in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation, it would make sense that we are also in an epidemic of joylessness. That if we are disconnected from one another at the largest scale that we've ever measured in human history, it would make sense that we are also disconnected from joy at the same time. And so it would make sense that this becomes a vicious cycle, that we disconnect from one another, and so now we're not experiencing the joy that is available to us, and so we only then further isolate, and then it continues to remove us from the joy that's available to us. Now here's the beautiful thing. At Christmas, we celebrate this moment in human history where God himself decided that he could not stand being at a distance from us. That God himself looked down and he said, I can't stand the separation between me and my creation. I cannot stand being disconnected from the people that I love, from the people that I created, from the people that I love so much that I must translate myself into human form so that I can see you face to face. And that God is no longer a distant God, disconnected, somewhere out there, aloof. But that he now is tangible in the form of Jesus that he comes as this little baby and he says, I want to be in relationship with you in this way. And even when he dies on a cross and comes back to life and then ascends to heaven, the promise is now that his spirit is in us. Talk about relational, right? That the whole point of Christmas is that there is a God who longs to have deep, intimate relationship with us so that joy could be made complete so that we could have the fullness of joy that is available to every single one of us. So we're going to be looking at the Christmas story through this lens of relational joy, of what it means to engage one another and to engage God face-to-face so that our joy might be full and complete. Now, I know that some of you are in this season of Christmas. Some of you may be really excited you're like, man, life is beautiful, and I can't wait for, for the holidays, and I'm excited for that. I know some of you that may be here, and you're anxious 
about what's going on in life, the circumstances and situations that you find yourself in. Some of you might actually be really angry with God and you're frustrated and you don't like the circumstances that you find yourself in or the situations. Maybe things have not gone the way that you imagined they would or thought they would or could or should have gone. And look, I get all of that. My hope and my prayer and our communicator's prayer over the next few weeks is that no matter where you're at in your own life, that you would experience a joy that transcends your circumstances, that transcends whatever's going on around you, but that there would be an innate joy that is developed inside of you as you connect both to God and to one another. See, this is the invitation of God. He invites us into relational joy. And so if we can connect to that inside of us, then we can actually be the source of joy in him to the rest of our world around us. And so today we're going to look at this moment in the scriptures that probably many of us are familiar with, the story of Mary. Good place to start. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, let me just tell you, I've had some greetings in my life that have caused me to be troubled. Lots of them. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had a greeting that caused you to be troubled? Those greetings where someone says, hey, I have some bad news. And maybe it's not even as overt as that. Like, that is, like, troubling. It could be as simply as, hey, could, um, could I talk to you a little bit later? That's the worst, right? I would much rather have someone say, I have some bad news, right? It's the, can we talk later? I'm always like, can we talk right now, right? Like, because I'll just be thinking about that. Or like the, uh, hey, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> or the, oh, your cat died. Whatever it may be, I don't know. There's all kinds of greetings that are troubling right here. I would not put greeting you who are highly favored by God in the category of troubling greetings, right? I would not put that in that category. Now, here's the thing. Mary did because Mary hears this statement, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you, and she is troubled as to what this greeting could mean, right? Now, I'll give her, I'll give her the benefit of a doubt. An angel was saying it to her, right? Yes. So I know we think of angels as like precious moment figurines, but the scriptures describe them as like warriors with swords and giant, you know, it would have probably been horrifying, but she wasn't troubled at the angel. Doesn't say that. She wasn't like, oh, an angel. She was troubled at the greeting. And she was wondering, what kind of greeting could this mean? See, here's where knowing the end of the story leaves us at a disadvantage because we're reading the story knowing the ending in mind. And so we get excited for Mary. Like, ooh, this is a Mary's about to become Mary, right? Mary's about to become Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? She is about to become the thing, right? She is about to become the ultimate end-all, be-all here. And, and here's the thing. Because we know the ending of this, at times we fail to recognize the humanity in this moment, like the reality of what takes place. Because when God shows up and even says, Mary, you who are highly favored, God is with you, her first response is terror. She is troubled by this. Here's what I found in my own life, and I imagine this is what Mary was experiencing in her own life, is that when God shows up, our security of certainty immediately goes out the window. Have you noticed that? 
That when God shows up and he starts speaking, all of the things that we had imagined would be coming in the next few months, in the next few weeks, all of the plans that we have immediately get interrupted. Because look, I'm sure Mary had a great plan in this moment. I'm sure she was like, hey, I'm betrothed, I'm engaged, we're going to get married, it's going to be wonderful, then we're going to get a house, we're going to settle down, we're going to move in together, we're going to have a couple kids, it's going to be a lovely life, and God messes all of that up. And in my own life, this is actually how I know God is moving. People always ask, how do you know God is moving? Because all of the chess pieces in my life start getting messed up. Have you noticed that? That when God shows up, all of the things that I have put my security in suddenly become incredibly insecure. My finances start getting a little shaky, and the future around that starts getting a little shaky. All of my relationships start getting a little shaky or start moving around. All of the plans that I had made suddenly are irrelevant because of what's coming my way. And my career shifts, and and then all of the things that I had thought were going to be my security, they start to move. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to go away or they are going to change. They just start getting a little shaky. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, what's going on here? This is not the plans that I had. Now, here's where I feel like a crazy person at times. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but this is what I experienced in this moment. I feel like a crazy person in this time because I can look back on my life and see countless amounts of evidence where God has shown up Things have started shaking. He even starts rearranging some of the furniture. He starts moving some of the chess pieces around. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to be doing that. And he's like, no, no, no. We are supposed to be doing this. And you are doing this. And we are going here. And this person is coming into your life. And that person is going out of your life. And I'm going, right? (laughs) I'm frustrated. I'm angry in the middle of this. And I feel insecure. And I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I start feeling anxious. And I have countless evidence to prove that as I follow God through that, the end result has always been breathtaking. It's always been beyond what I could ever have asked or imagined. Like there are countless times in my life where through the journey, I'm like, God, what are you doing? This is crazy. Do you know what you're up to? You weren't supposed to do that. They weren't supposed to do that. This wasn't supposed to be like this. And then we get to the end of it and I go, oh, I could have never planned that. But that is brilliant. (laughs) And so when God starts moving things now, rather than looking at all the evidence that says God's going to do something breathtaking, I freak out like Mary. I start getting troubled at the greeting. God could even show up to me and said, you who are highly favored, I am with you. And my first response is terror. My first response is not like, oh, here we go. Something awesome is going to happen. My first response is to be troubled, to be suspicious, to be worried, to be questioning. See, I think for so many of us, we have this idea that when God shows up in our life, that he wants something from us, not that he wants something for us or that he wants something with us. I think we have this idea that when God shows up, what he's only interested in is taking from us or messing up our lives or that what he has for us is less than what we imagined for ourselves, or that what he's longing to bring into our lives is going to diminish who we are, or to diminish our future, or to diminish the possibilities that we see. But the beautiful thing is that every single time God shows up, he elevates time after time. 
See, and I think, I think we come into our relationship with God because we've experienced that in relationship with so many other people, where people have come into our relationship to take from us, or people have come into our lives and they weren't who they said they were, or they diminished who we were at some level, and so we assume that God is going to do the same. So even when he shows up in our lives time after time, and I imagine the only greeting he would ever say to us is, you who are highly favored, I am with you. We immediately jump to suspicion. What is this about? Why are you here? Why are you messing with the chess pieces? Why are you showing up? I have a plan for all this. See, I wonder what it would look like for us to live from a space of trust that God is actually longing for something for us and with us rather than something from us. And that not only is he attempting to elevate us, but he's longing to fuse himself into relationship with us. See, that even if God is asking us to sacrifice or to give, or he does ask something from us, hey, I would like for you to give of your resources. I would like for you to give of your forgiveness. I would like for you to, for, to give of your offenses and lay those down. Even in that, that he's longing for something for us in the sacrifice, in the giving, in the releasing, in the change, in the transformation. And the story continues, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Good question, right? Ain't that the truth? How's this gonna happen, right? How on earth is this going to happen? See, here's what I found is that when Jesus shows up, when God shows up in our life and he invites us into this big, beautiful, impossible mission, this mission that could possibly change our world and change the world around us, our first response is how? How are you gonna do this? How's this all gonna take place? And look, I'm not making Mary wrong for this because I do the exact same thing. God shows up and I'm like, I need the five point plan right. right now. No, I don't need point one, I need all five, right? And I need to know the ending and I need to know exactly how it's going to turn out. See, I am the king of needing to know the hows and the whats. Not just when God shows up, all the time. You can ask Marla this. I am the guy who is like, I'm, I'm going on a trip to New York on Thursday for business and I have been on my app all weekend making sure that my seats are selected, that I know exactly where I am, where I'm showing up, where I'm not, that an Uber's waiting for me. I go on vacation with an Excel sheet so that I know where we're gonna be at all hours of the day because I don't wanna be surprised and I want to make sure that we take full advantage of all the amenities that are available to us wherever we are. And if we did not have the Excel sheet, we would just be lost, right? Thank God for Yelp, because before we go to a restaurant, I can look at the menu and know exactly what I'm ordering ahead of time. And when it's out, I'm upset, because that's not how things should go. I like knowing the why and the hows and the whats before anything happens. I am the king of this. But I don't know, when it comes to God, something doesn't always get hit in that. Things get lost in the translations. So when God shows up, and he says, I'm going to do something impossible. I'm going to do something beyond what you could imagine. I'm going to do something so much bigger than you could ever think of. I freak out a little bit, just like Mary here in this moment. 
especially when the beautiful impossible that he's calling me into or us into looks like a massive inconvenience. Have you noticed that? It's so strange that when God shows up and he invites us into this future, that future oftentimes looks like a massive inconvenience. It looks like this could not possibly be what you're calling into. And then here's what happens next. If all of the hows don't add up, if I don't get the five-point plan as to what exactly is going to happen when and how I can expect it and how it's going to be funded and how things are going to happen, if I don't get that, we walk away. Not just from the calling, but we also walk away from God, assuming that he doesn't know what he's doing assuming that he doesn't know what's up and that he's not capable of having this turn out. Which then, as we disconnect from relationship with God, diminishes the joy that we have. And so now, not only are we left isolated from God, disconnected from the calling on our life, but now we're left with diminishing joy. And we find ourselves falling into despair and hopelessness and anger and regret. And here's what I love about Mary. She says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, what I love about Mary is that she takes a deep breath and she decides that she doesn't need the five-point plan. She doesn't need all the hows. She doesn't need all of the how is this going to work out and how are you going to tie up the loose ends and how are you going to make this happen. She surrenders to the relationship with God. She doesn't necessarily surrender to the calling, although that's engaged with that. She surrenders to the relationship with God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Let's do this. See, and then in Luke, this song wells up in her about her surrendering to the relationship. She has this song that has become so famous in Luke 1, 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, I love that as Mary surrenders to the relationship that God is inviting her into and the calling that he has on her life, this song of gratitude wells up within her. This song of joy wells up within her. This song that proclaims how good God is begins to move within her. And see, here is the joy that God is inviting you and me into today. And especially as we enter into this Christmas season, is that before he invites you into an assignment, before he invites you into a calling, before he invites you into this beautiful, impossible future, he first invites you into a relationship with him. 
And he asked the question, will you surrender to the relationship? To surrender to the security, to surrender all the certainty, to surrender all the hows and how is it going to work out, knowing all the pieces and having all the control. But will you surrender to relationship with me? And in that, as we see him face to face, our joy may be complete. See, now surrender is very different from resignation. I think what most of us do is we resign. We just go, guess this is my lot. Guess this is what I have to deal with. I guess this is what I have to put up with. I guess I'll just live out my days suffering here. See, that's very different from surrendering, saying, all right, I'm your servant. Let's do this. Let's go. I, I will become who you need me to become. I will do what you need me to do. I, I will surrender to the relationship because I know that when you say highly favored and trusted and chosen and with me, I will just surrender to that and know that that is the reality that you are inviting me into. See, God invited Mary into this intimate relationship with him as he invited her into this future so that the relationship could be the vehicle through which this future is birthed, so that the relationship could be the thing that carried her through, so that she could be in intimate relationship with him, seeing him face to face, so that joy could be released in her and the rest of the world. See, I, I love that the Christmas story that we'll read on Christmas Eve ends with this statement. It's the very last thing in that Luke 2 passage. It says, but Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. See, she took the journey. She went on this journey not knowing how and not knowing what and going, all right, God, I will surrender. I'm your servant. I will trust you in relationship. And it ends with her pondering all of the beauty that God had done in her life. It ends with her standing in joy because she was willing to stay there. I have been through a roller coaster season over the last few months, ups and downs and all over. And I, I have a coach that I work with and she said, Nathan, I feel like you're on this roller coaster. And I said, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> it feels like it. And she said, you have, you have two options on a roller coaster. You can white knuckle the bar, close your eyes, and grit your teeth and get through it. Or you can lift up your hands and enjoy the ride. And she said, the choice is yours. You're not getting off the roller coaster. <laughs> but you get to decide your experience in the midst of this. See, and what Jesus invites us into is an intimate relationship with him where he says, look, don't worry about the roller coaster. It's fine. <laughs> I got you. Would you release the bar? And would you just put your hands up for a moment? And would you just enjoy the ride as you stay connected to me? And it transforms a moment of terror into a moment of exhilaration for us and for the world around us. This is the invitation of joy at Christmas to us. Now, every week, we're going to do a little exercise at the end of our time together. And these are both exercises that have been neurologically proven to enhance joy, but have also been theologically woven together so that you might experience the power of Jesus here and now. So I'd love for you to 
entertain me and entertain his spirit today as we just step into this small moment of experiencing joy relationally with him together. So I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I'd like for you to take a deep breath in and let it out. Take another deep breath in and let it out. And I'd like for you right now to go to a memory that involved another person that was joyful. It could be anything. Just a memory where you were experiencing hope and love and life with another human being. It could be a birthday. It could be a holiday. It could just be simply having coffee with someone that was so beautiful. It could be a birth of a child. Just whatever memory comes up, would you allow yourself just to see that memory? I'm going to ask that it be a good memory, a, a joyful memory, and that it involves another human being. Not just you, not by yourself. Just allow yourself to be in that memory for a moment. I'm going to ask you to, in that memory, to look around and see who's there. Look at the eyes of the people or persons that are there in that memory. Just experience them in that moment. And allow your appreciation to well up inside of you for that moment. Allow yourself to hear the sounds. If you're outside, you can maybe hear whatever's going on around you. If you're inside, what was going on around you. Allow yourself to feel the temperature of that room. Was it hot, cold? Was it windy outside? Was it warm? Just allow yourself to be in that memory for a moment and appreciate everything that's there. As you're breathing in and out, just be present with that memory. Now I want you to give that memory a name, like one word. Could be like, or two words, coffee with friends, that's three. But give it, give it a title. It could be Christmas, or it could be birthday, or it could be a hike, camping, whatever it is, just give that memory a name so that you can hold on to it this week. And allow yourself to be fully present there. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something a little different with your eyes closed as you're just remembering that moment of appreciation with another person or another people. I want you to look around and I want you to see where Jesus is in that memory, just in your mind. Just look around and see where he is. Just Again, this is just using your imagination. That the Holy Spirit would guide you just to see him. And I want you to just notice what he's doing. Now, if you, if you see Jesus and you experiencing, if you experience something other than joy or love or freedom or hope or something beautiful, you can just let that go and ask the Holy Spirit to show you where Jesus actually is in that memory, who he actually is. And just notice the posture that he is. In. Is he kneeling down? Is he standing up? Where is he? And if he's far away, feel free to walk closer to him. And just experience Jesus being with you there in that moment together of appreciation and joy. And 
just in your mind right now, I want you to ask him if he has anything to say to you. And if he does, just allow him to say it. Whatever it is that he might want to say to you in that memory, in that moment, just allow him to speak that to you. It could be something about you, about how he experiences you. It could be about that person or that moment. Just allow him to speak to you in that moment. And again, if it's not a conversation of uplifting, of hope, of joy, of something beautiful, you can just let that go and ask the Holy Spirit, what does Jesus actually have to say to me in this moment? And it's okay if you don't see him too. No worries. But I want you to hold that experience in that memory right now. Just even notice physically in your body where it is. Take that Take that that phrase or that word, that title that you gave to that memory. I'm gonna ask you with your eyes still closed to just allow yourself to come back to this moment and see if you can hold that feeling, that experience so that you're now once again present here at the Fox and allow yourself to continue in that experience of joy or appreciation or love. And this week with your eyes closed, as you go from here, I'm gonna ask you that when you need to access joy, that you would connect to Jesus in that moment, that you would use that title, like, oh yeah, that birthday or that, that Christmas or that hiking trip or that camping trip or that coffee with friends, that Jesus was there with you in that moment and that you would allow that joy to move through you. And this morning, if you're here and you've not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you haven't made a decision to follow him, this is a moment to connect to him, that he wants to make his joy complete in you. And if that's you this morning and you're like, man, I would love to connect to Jesus and you haven't done that yet, with your eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and say, I wanna connect to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time? Awesome. If you're online, you can just type in Jesus, but I want you just to pray this prayer. Dear, dear Jesus, I know that I am broken and I know that you came and you died for me and you came back to life so that I could live. And so I make you Lord of my life and I follow you so that your joy may be complete in me. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.